Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and disasters and figure out who's to blame. Today, we're going to be talking about the mad cow disease, Now, this was a disaster of great proportions, and it really affected mostly the cow population in in the UK, and there were also some deaths involved. And not just that, but it caused mass hysteria. And it's not dissimilar to the hysteria that's going around about the coronavirus. So let's get started and let's talk mad cow disease. Mad cow disease is the colloquial term for bovine spongiform encephalopathy, BSE, a neurodegenerative disease that occurs in cattle. 
Over time, it causes severe brain and nervous system damage, which eventually leads to trouble standing and walking and changes in mood like increased aggression and nervousness. BSC is caused by a self-replicating protein called a prion. A prion is a deformed version of a protein found in cell membranes. Per the CDC, quote, for reasons that are not yet understood, the normal prion protein changes into a pathogenic harmful form that then damages the central nervous system of cattle. The disease first started showing up in British cows in 1986. Eventually, it spread to other animals like cats. In 1994, symptoms began to show up in humans. Scientists believe that humans can get a version of BSE called variant Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, VCJD, by eating infected cows. Like in cows, the disease has a long incubation period, but once symptoms arise, things digress pretty quickly. Brain degeneration happens in just a few months with symptoms like trembling, dementia, trouble walking, and eventually coma. In May 1995, Stephen Churchill, 19 years old, became the first victim of VCJD. His was one of three VCJD deaths in 1995. Brains, offal, and spinal cords were supposed to be removed, but some ended up in a product called MRM, mechanically recovered meat, which was used in hospitals and schools. Sir Andrew could have caught VCJD from school dinners. 156 people died in the 90s as a result of contracting the variant BSE. According to the FDA, quote, as of 2019, 232 people worldwide are known to have become sick with VCJD, and unfortunately, all of them have died. 180,000 cattle were affected by BSE. After the British government admitted for the first time that BSC could be transmitted to humans, 4.5 million cattle were destroyed. The Agriculture Minister John Gummer today enrolled his daughter Cordelia in his campaign to persuade people that eating beef is safe. When you've got the clear support of the scientists who deal with these matters, the clear support of the Department of Health, the clear action of the government, there is no need for people to be worried, and I can say perfectly honestly that I shall go on eating beef as my children will go on eating beef because there is no need to be worried. Now, you can't do anything more than that. Fun facts, a.k.a. death stats. The spongiform part of the name of the disease is because it's spongy. The infection causes holes in the cow's brain where its cells should be. Once diagnosed with VCJD, life expectancy is one year. Most of the people who have become sick with VCJD lived in the United Kingdom at some point in their lives. Only four lived in the U.S., and most likely these four people became infected when they were living or traveling overseas. Per the World Health Organization, the disease has a long incubation period of four to five years, but ultimately is fatal for cattle within weeks to months of its onset. Center for Food Safety says because of the disease's long incubation period, 
scientists believe it most likely started in the late 70s. According to the FDA, cats are the only common household pet known to have a version of BSC. It is called feline spongiform encephalopathy. No cat in the U.S. has ever been found to have the disease. So today's guest is a returning guest uh, and, of course, a fan favorite. You know him from the Donner Party. You know him from the McDonald's coffee case. It's Clayton Early, people. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Thanks for having me back. Now, Clayton, I thought of you for this episode because, well, with all the coronavirus Mm. stuff that's going on, of course you know that I am keeping tabs on every single article out there Mm -hmm. on the coronavirus. As am I. Um, But I thought of you because recently, you know, there's a ship that's been stuck in uh, Japan, a cruise ship. Yes. They've they've, uh, kept them all quarantined, which is my biggest nightmare to be quarantined in a small room in a cruise ship. Yep. I've I've been following this case very closely. Yes. And now, Clayton, you're actually going on a cruise ship. (laughs) Yeah. For the first time ever. Yeah. You're in for a real treat, Clay. Why don't you tell us? Uh, I am going on a Golden Girls cruise out of Miami uh, Mm. in about uh, two weeks. And I have already decided that we are going to be quarantined. (laughs) Um, So it might be a three-week cruise. And you know what's terrible about being quarantined in Miami? is How close you are to all so so much fun stuff. (laughs) (laughs) To the beach, to the sun, to all the fun. Yeah, you won't be able to touch it. Nope. <laughs> do you guys have an inside cabin or do you have some one with a balcony? No, we have one with a balcony. I did insist. I had the the four Forethought? Yeah. Foresight. Foresight? Which was both. Well, two, was it um, thought or did you see something? Uh, it was a thought. It was a thought. <laughs> so I had the forethought. <laughs> to get a balcony because maybe I'll get sick. You know, I've never been on a cruise, so I could also just be totally seasick the whole time and then get corona. And then and then die. die. That would be a, an epic ending. Be really great way to go out. Yeah. Well, also with us today are uh, producer Amanda Lund. Thanks for having me back. And if I weren't here, I don't know who would You're be welcome. recording this. It is truly our pleasure, Amanda. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hello, everyone. I'm back, and I'm Chris Smith still. That's right. And he still has his laptop that he barely tippity taps on. No. I'm currently digging for some Mad Cow's Disease facts. So, but yeah, I'm just sort of scrolling down the search engine page. I Chris. use DuckDuckGo. I have had just such anxiety researching mm-hmm. this particular tragedy. Yeah, it's um, anything that is related to food-related consumption illnesses or diseases is particularly terrifying. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was very interesting about this one mm-hmm. that's on theme for us and our relationship here in this room is that there's an element of cannibalism. Oh, well. So right. here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's dive right in and start talking about some things that we can put up on the board, uh, because you've already mentioned cannibalism, and we'll get there. (laughs) We will. We always do. We always get back to eating ourselves. (laughs) I think before we even go there, we need to talk about factory farming. Mm. Now, BBC says factory farming in Britain began with the Agriculture Act of 1947. So this started in 1947, which granted subsidies to farmers to encourage greater output for introducing new technology, specialization, and improved breeding and management of 
of animals. Quote, intensification of animal production was seen as a way of providing food security. Um, Intensification is an an intense word. It's an intense word. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just intense, it's intensification. Yeah. What is so ironic to me is that this started off as food security. Mm -hmm. So, of course, this backfired. Was there something that pre- like did was there some kind of mm, famine? <laughs> was there a hunger? <laughs> was there a hunger in 1947? Right around the 40s, people were starting to get a little peckish, <laughs> a little hungry. <laughs> Let's intensify our food. Well, uh, I w- the World War World War Two. Oh sure. Okay. Um, you know, had uh, ended in fact checker. What what was the end of the war? World War Two ended in 46? I thought it was forty six. Um, but uh, this is post. Post, post-war. Okay. And then extra measures were introduced in the Agriculture Act of 1967. 45. With, 45. So that's the end of World War II, people. Okay, okay. Which saw the birth of the Meat and Livestock Commission, MLC. So there's a commission that gets started in 67. In the 90s, outbreaks of BSE and foot and mouth, as well as swine fever and TB in cattle, so it's not just mad cow, devastated the agriculture industry and British tourism and forced a change in attitude to intensive farming. The emphasis is now on the welfare of animals, the land, and the consumer as much as the welfare of the farmers. Um, so there was this kind of... Uh, return to the basics uh per se uh, that happened after the outbreak sure Mm -hmm. um and and, you know and now people are more aware of what the results of factory farming and you know we we think about when you think of factory farming of course we think of cattle but i also think of like chickens i think of the chickens who are so big that they can't support themselves under their body weight that's like the image that is in my mind yeah yeah this is way to bring it down. <laughs> oh, it's out there and it's the food we eat. It's all going to Popeyes, right? Or right. your chicken oh, sandwich. God. So according to Wiki, in 1990, intensive animal farming accounted for 30% of the world meat production. And by 2005, this had actually risen to 40%. As much as, you know, maybe some countries like the UK are going back to the basics. Uh, um, there are other countries that are actually intensifying in the factory farm sphere, like here in the U.S., right? Here in the are U.S., I think I think that we've we're less tr- intensified, less intensified <laughs> intensification. <laughs> the intensification has in- descent de-intensified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, according to the Guardian, we may never know for certain how and why BSC first appeared. The best guess is that. A sporadic uh, form of the disease probably occurred in the 1970s through some type of freak genetic dysfunction, and the epidemic happened because remains of individual diseased cattle were ground up and fed back to healthy animals. Mm. The term that I came across when I was doing my own reading was um, bovine offal, which sounds particularly awful, right? Offal is literally like the bits of like brain and other organs that is the byproduct product of rendering a cow it's oh. just like the, it's like you butcher a cow and it's like the bits and pieces that, that are left, left over that they have nothing to do with that they grind up and they feed it back to the cows to. not so terrible it's oh my God. terrible now <laughs> let's say if the cows are just reading you know uh, eating regular grass right this probably wouldn't have happened 
And for the record, cows are herbivores. Mm -hmm. They're not meant to be eating meat. Or themselves. From this uh, website, silverlakefarms.com. As most of us already know, the cows are herbivores, not omnivores. However, the way cattle are fed has uh, considerably changed throughout time. Cows are ruminant herbivores, meaning that their stomach is made of four compartments instead of one, like humans. Each of the stomach's compartments have a different role and play a key part in the cow's digestive process. They are all large-sized animals that only eat grass and hay. Since grass and hay are not that rich in nutrients and energy, this particular digestive system allows these animals to get the maximum possible nutrition and energy out of it. What what's actually happened is that some farms choose to add animal byproducts such as crushed bones or fish to the cow's diet because this it gives them a protein boost and increases right. production. It's the trade-off, right, of trying to feed a lot of people because I also just looked up like world population. World population in 1927 crossed the 2 billion threshold in 1960 crossed the 3 billion threshold and before that it was a billion in in eighteen hundred. The world population started really burgeoning right around the middle mm-hmm. of the twentieth uh, century, right around right. nineteen fifty or whatever. And just the popularity of beef, it's like just a very popular and inexpensive product. And so they just, you know, in in Britain, they wanted to intensify the outputs, so and they just- also meat has. I think historically been like a sign of like prosperity or wealth. So the more people who are trying to come out of working class, you go up a level and you're like, you buy your meat. So like, mm, right. It's a way of doing that. Right, look at this cuts of beautiful beef. ham. I just, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm so wealthy. I have a ham. <laughs> ham is pig, but yeah. Sure. But we're, you know, it's, Mad it's meat. Disease. It's still meat. <laughs> I'm thinking meat. Yeah. Um, so off the bat, I think we can put factory farming up on the board. Mm-hmm. That's an easy one, right? Yes, I totally agree. That's gonna that like Nazis is gonna be hard to take off once you yes. put it out. I know. It is the it, thing is is that like factory farming, yes, like obviously of uh, the way they chose to feed these cows and, and to to try and get max output was like really it, you know, it obviously uh, created this problem. However, factory farming like might have been good in other ways. Like, it was it a was it an overall good, like a net good, because it fed a lot of people. Well, I mean, this is the argument, right? What I will say is that it's not just that factory farming is feeding these brain parts of their brain to cows, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also the way that um, you know they have way too many uh, animals in, in in cages and and the inhumane process of factory farming. I mean, let's not, let's yeah, let's 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 clay. Let's. The last two times I've been here, I've definitely blamed capitalism, and I'm definitely going to put capitalism oh. on the board again. Because, and here's why: like, let's not pretend this is all about feeding the people. Mm. There's a huge industry around the production of beef and the sale of beef and people are making a lot of money off of that so i'm sure it's like yes we need to feed more people but then suddenly we got all this meat we're making money yeah you know this is boosting the economy like you gotta think so let's make more we can make more money this is oversimplified but come on more 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 i have a whole section on capitalism to talk about (laughs) Mm. So, so let's understand how then this happened to the cows, right? Yes, that's, I think that's important. FDA says the parts of, the, of a cow that are not eaten by people are cooked, dried, and ground into a powder. 
The powder is then used for a variety of purposes, including uh, as an ingredient in animal feed. A cow gets BSC by eating feed contaminated with parts that came from another cow that was sick with BSC. The contaminated feed contains the abnormal prion, and a cow becomes infected with the abnormal prion when it eats the feed. If a cow gets BSC, it most likely ate the contaminated feed during its first year of life. Remember, if a cow becomes infected with the abnormal prion when it is one year old, it usually will not show signs of BSC until it's five years old or Mm -hmm. older. Mm -hmm. So just so I'm clear, Mm -hmm. BSC is basically like a... A, a genetic anomaly. It's just like it, could, it happens rarely and randomly, whatever this prion protein is. But the spread is really about them feeding. Like that's why you had such a concentration because they're eating this protein that was from an infected cow into the other. Otherwise, if they weren't feeding them themselves, we might this might not never have been as big a problem. Yes, it wouldn't have been such a huge spread. They know how it's spread. They don't know how the prion comes about. Right. But Just kind of a random it's, thing. It's kind of a freak genetic thing. And so there would have been way less cattle. But we humans could still have gotten, like they did, the variant, whatever the Kreutzfeld Jacob disease, uh-huh. if we ate an infected cow. If we, yes. But the odds of us eating an infected smaller, cow are right, much right. smaller. What's so scary about this disease, you know, you can get it and it, you won't show signs until years later. And you definitely die. And you definitely, because there's no cure. Now, let's talk about the British government. Or we, I, I was going to talk about the British government, but we can also talk about capitalism. But you the British do, government you do you. Is, is good. The, according to The Guardian, new cases kept dribbling in, Right. And it was suggested that information should be passed around the usual method when new scientific discoveries are made. The veterinary journals Vision, the in-house magazine for the government's veterinary service and veterinary record, were suggested as forms for this exchange, but permission was withdrawn by the government. Plans to give information to universities and outside research bodies were blocked. Why? Because, why? Oh, this is the next part. It literally says, why? Question mark. (laughs) By getting the information out in the public domain, there would be a greater chance of understanding uh, what the vets were dealing with and of estimating how widespread the problem was. The reasoning by the officials was clear because of the nature of this disorder, its political implications Mm. and possible effects on exports. That's why. So money. Economics were the main concern, and the farming industry needed to be protected. People could be easily alarmed. Ding, ding, ding. The civil service thought better secrecy than public hysteria. The reason Just is nope. like, <laughs> kind of like what's been going on recently in China. I mean, I think we're we're in the U.S., you can say. (laughs) You know, back back in the day with SARS, they didn't really tell anyone about it, and people were dying, and there was a lot of fallout from that, and now it's a little bit better. But just to summarize, the reason why nobody wanted to talk about Mad Cow was because cow was their cash cow. Oh, Mm. come on, Chris. Thank you. I'll be here just for the remainder of the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) unfortunately, unfortunately. 
Hey, listeners. Okay, let's get real. If you're someone who likes this podcast, we need you to rate, review, subscribe. Now, we are doing this for the love of the game, baby. We are alarmists who are not charging our other fellow alarmists to talk about alarming things. So the way that we can keep the mics on is by having you guys give us a five-star review. So stop what you're doing, tap onto your phone, and click five stars, and leave us a you know, hey, love the show. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Now let's get back to it. The British government, I mean, and this is all economics, right? Yes. It, it goes, it boils down to capitalism. I think we can put both up on the board, mm-hmm. uh, okay. capitalism and the British government. I just want to talk about this because it's, it's, I don't know, my cause or something. Like, when when you try not to tell people things because you're going to cause an alarm, mm-hmm. it only causes more of an alarm. Once the truth eventually comes out. Exactly. Yes. Because people lose trust. Oh, yeah. And that's the other that's the other side of it. It's like even if it's not as big as you knew that it was, you know, you're like, it's not that going to be that big a deal. But then you break down the trust in any relationship mm. one on one. With your country, with whatever, there's a problem. Trust is there's important. A, Trust is like, so like true. Clayton says. There's a problem. There's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if I were to run a country, which okay. I might one Rebecca day, Lamb. you never know. I would do a series of little to like a, a different, like a scale of alarms. Mm. So there'd be like a and then a. Oh, it's all sound based. <laughs> so, yeah, you have to know the sound. <laughs> 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 and this is the. Oh god. And then if you hear beedy 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 that's bad. Okay. That's bad. <laughs> um but anyway, that that to me is is a big no-no on part of the British government. All I'm saying is that there was time. Okay. So it goes on. Throughout most of the uh 1986 and 1987, most veterinarian surgeons who were in the front lines of disease di- uh, diagnosis diagnosis and Dia- diagnosis? Diagnosis. Diagnosis. <laughs> I was like, I've never heard that word before. Diagnosis and control were ignorant of the presence of this disease and were not informed of its clinical signs or its significance as a potential na- national disease problem. By the end of March of 1988, 600 probable causes of BSC had been had been reported. Cases. Uh, cases, yeah. The, the government's mind was made up. Uh, it's probably scrapey, which we'll talk about, mm. um, uh, which is a similar disease in sheep. Uh, and that had never jumped species to man, despite being known for about 200 years. So they assumed that BSE wouldn't either. So this was this all happened even before it had spread to humans. Mm-hmm. And there was time. Something could have been done. Real quick, I just found an interesting New York Times article on the fact, and they are talking about this, um, the British government's fear of causing a public scare. And, and they say, it was this fear, the report adds, that caused a government vet- veterinary... Veterinary? <laughs> Do we all have mad cow? I, I definitely do. Um, a veterinary pathologist to label confidential his first memo on mad cow disease in 86 that led John Gummer, the then agriculture minister, to make a show of publicly feeding a hamburger to his four-year-old daughter Cordelia Yikes. in 1990 Jeez. and that led Britain's chief medical officer in 1996 to declare, I myself will continue to eat beef as a part of a varied and balanced diet. Oh, And they were also like in bed with Big Beef. Beef. Right. Right. 
Ooh, that sounds <laughs> hot. That's so <laughs> It's gross or hot. <laughs> no, it's, preference. And I, maybe we can put on their uh, fear of alarmism. They didn't the want British a pa- widespread panic. Yeah. Yes. Not wanting widespread panic. Mm-hmm. You should want widespread panic. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for society. <laughs> it's good for me. So, of course, I think capitalism needs to go up on the board. Officials were more concerned about the beef industry's ability to make money than the people and animals who might die from this disease. I mean, classic. This brought me to a question I asked myself. Are humans beef eating habits to blame? Why do we eat beef? That's a great question. Uh, according to Forbes, humans are definitely omnivores. The, the best evidence is our teeth. We have uh, biting, tearing, and ripping scissors and canines like carnivores uh, and chewing molars like herbivores. Animals with such diverse teeth tend to be omnivores. Okay. Mm. Now, PETA, which, of course, they might be a little biased, right? They like <laughs> animals. <laughs> um, they said they have a whole section on their website that says, what is the natural human diet? Are humans natural meat eaters? Quick test. When you see dead animals on the side of the road, are you tempted to stop and snack on them? <laughs> wow. That's a great question. <laughs> do you do you daydream Yum. about killing cows with your bare hands and eating them raw? If you answered no to these questions, then like it or not, you're you're an herbivore. Mm. I mean, in all fairness, I go to the but, grocery store and I, and I see a carrot and I'm like, I'm not like, oh, let me get my hands on I'm that I'm also carrot. not when I'm driving down the road and I like see a field of just like wild grass, like, mmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's, That's the alternative. I remember reading in that book, Speci- Species, that humans were scavengers, like early man were actually scavengers. Right. And like, so a bigger animal or mammal or whatever would kill another animal and then they would leave when they took like the biggest, meat, meatiest parts. And humans would like take the bones and because we were a little bit more industrious, we could smash with a rock like the bones and drink the bone marrow. Oh. And like, that's how we survived because bone marrow was like really rich in nutrients. And it was like, but we are scavengers. That's true. I will also say that. That um, in Britain specifically, beef is part is cultural. Uh, I just yes. found an article here at the Guardian. Um, there's a little song here, uh, I guess, that people used to sing. When mighty roast beef was the Englishman's food, it ennobled our brains, it enriched our blood. Our soldiers were brave and our courtiers were good. Oh, the roast beef of old England and old English roast beef. How do you know the tune? Did you just make up the tune? We made it up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a Sunday dinner? Like, is that beef? The roast? Yeah, the Sunday, Sunday roast. dinner is roast. It, is it beef? Yeah. Well, uh, we, we should specify that you can't really get mad cow from a, from actual muscle meat. So I would say probably ground beef is... Higher risk higher than, right. than an actual piece of uh, filet mignon. Yeah, just why that si- that's just why that sick dad gave Cordelia the the hamburger. <laughs> that was <laughs> what a creepy scene. Like Come you on. could just picture him, sh- picture just him crying and shaking. She's like, I'm it. not hungry. <laughs> why doesn't he eat the burger? I love. He's yeah. like, I'm going to feed my family the burger. Watch them eat it. Not me. <laughs> that's sick. how cruel. Just, I also have another thing that we should probably put on the board: genetics, like natural, the natural world. I mean, yeah. like, it just it happened randomly, and yes, maybe some. Of our practices intensified, like production of food. But, um, like, if you go back to the root cause, there is a case that it truly is just like a natural occurring thing. Freak genetics. The, the other thing I wanted to talk about was cannibalism. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cannibalism, I think, should go up on the board now. Um, 
this, uh, I, I did some searching and uh, Kuru, yes, hear I, me out. Do, if, I, I don't know about, if you've read, I, okay. I read about this. Them. Kuru is a very rare disease. It is caused by an infectious protein, a prion again, found in contaminated human brain tissues. Kuru is found among people from New Guinea who practiced a form of cannibalism in which they ate the brains of dead people as part of a funeral ritual. Um, so what happened was that these uh, scientists in the um, 1900s found that there was a, a group. The tribe. A tribe. Yeah. Who had been practicing cannibalism and they... They were all really sick. They were all very sick. Particularly, this is what I found interesting about this, particularly the women and the children, because going back to the burial, the tradition was like the most important people in the tribe got the best part of the body, which is, you know, gross to think about. And then on down the line and the kind of the lowest on the totem pole were women and children. And they often got what was left, which was like the brains and the organs, which was like the most... Yes. <laughs> Which Jeez. is terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. It's still a mystery why animals, including humans, have these proteins in the first place. This is from uh, an NPR article that I read. But one leading hypothesis described it recently in the Journal of Nature is that they, they play an important role in the protective coating around the nerves. So the prion, I'm not a scientist, people, I'm sure there are. Uh, is the know, prion the name for the. Wait, like, you're not a scientist. A doc- or a doctor. Is the prion the name for like the bad protein that like misfolded or yes. whatever? It's a uh, protein and the and, and it becomes a prion when it malfunctions. From what I understand, okay. yes. And then it attaches itself to other proteins and changes those proteins, mm. the, the makeup of that protein, mm. and so on and so forth. And that's how it spreads. Now, it's important for our proteins to be able to be flexible. Oh, God, I'm, I'm going to sound like a dummy, dummy to you doctors out there. But because, uh, or the reason the body does is because it, it because of the nervous system, like it, it's, it, it's, it's almost like the prion is taking advantage of how, you know, smart the, the human body is. So a protein, our communicating, our body is able to communicate with proteins and proteins communicate with other proteins. But when it becomes a prion, that's like, gossip right and suddenly there's no communication mm. and suddenly the proteins can't communicate anymore with the prion but the prion can start communicating with other prions and then it's like a big old gossip circle oh that keeps growing gosh, until it's metaphor. all consuming wow i'm so wow. attracted to you right now. <laughs> that was amazing thank you and amanda's only attracted to the expert i am that says a lot about you i've been attracted to all of our guest experts and i've never seen their pictures wow <laughs> what a compliment you did it clayton you broke through um so, sure should we put the prion itself yes and i just sure. want to i just want to mention the indigenous tribe in new guinea is called the four people f-o-r-e oh, thank you is there any last thoughts we got cam- cannibalism capitalism we got okay i'll go yeah, through it factory seeds. farming British government, capitalism, fear of widespread panic slash alarmism, eating habits of humans, freak genetics, cannibalism, or the prion. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Okay, now we're going to take a quick second to hear from a cattle farming expert, Hayden Parrish, uh, who has some stuff to say about factory farming. Hayden, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience uh, with cattle? Because uh, we have to tell our listeners that you reached out to us um, when, when we <laughs> yeah. were in need of an expert. So you're, you're quite the savior over here at The Alarmist. <laughs> I grew up raising cattle. Both sets of my grandparents owned a cattle farm about 10 minutes from each other. And when my parents got married, my dad started running both farms. My dad is definitely the champion of these farms, but I, by proxy, have grown up caring for um, a lot of the animals on our farm. I know that your uh, farms are much smaller in size, but can you talk to us a little bit about what you know about factory farming and just give us your thoughts on it? Yeah. Um, so the farm that I live on, we have probably about 20 cows in our herd. Um, and the other farm, which is a little bit bigger, has about 35 cows. Um, but I've researched factory farms over the years, um, and I've come to just absolutely despise the way that they function. Um, I remember a few years ago, I think it was in 2015, um, in a farm a couple counties over from ours, Um, 12,000 turkeys burned alive when the building that they were kept in um, caught on fire. Um, And just like thinking about the, the thinking about my farm, like there's not 12,000 of anything in our, in our barns, maybe um, straws of hay. Um, But I just like 12,000 things should never, 12,000 animals should never be kept in one building. Um, And just if that takes place, I really don't think that represents um, farmers historically. So from your perspective, who would you place blame on for the mad cow disease? I think probably most directly, um, the, the thing to blame is the forced cannibalism in factory farms. Um, I understand, I guess, the important impact that using direct protein to feed our animals um, I understand that that's important in production, but I think our nation's reliance on meat is largely unnecessary. And I, not easily, but I feel like we could adjust it, adjust our co- economy to accommodate it a little more. 
um, if our society just incorporated more sustainable and ethical practices into meat production, um, I think we would be better off. You can hear the rest of the interview on Thursday's episode of The Aftermath. Now back to our conversation. Now, is there anything right off the bat that you think we can scratch off the list? I would say the, um, I think the prion and like the genetic element to me is more like a technical, like a very like straightforward Uh case to blame, but not really uh, responsible for the outspread. Yes. Yes. You know, I don't think cows would eat brains on their own, right? I think that they had to be fed the brains by the farmer, right? (laughs) (laughs) Then this prion would be a smaller incident. Smaller incident. So So by prion, by freak genetics. I think that's right. There is a world in which a cow could fall over and die and its brain could leak out onto a grass and then the cow could eat the grass. Yes, we don't want to... But that would probably that possibility. This is why you're much. a great guest, yes. Clean. Thank you. <laughs> um, so that that is a possibility. I, I have a suggestion for a cut. Uh-huh. I think we should cut capitalism. Okay. Whoa. Because um, just learning from our Chernobyl disaster, mm. a a government that was looking out for its own self interest that was distinctly not a free market capitalist society. They did the same kind of cover-up techniques mm. that that these this British government did that was in cahoots with their uh, with the meat industry. Yeah. So you're saying this is a problem that would have happened in a capitalist society, in a communist society, in a socialist society. In I, all of the societies. I think in all the societies, in a monarchy, it, it runs perhaps? the risk. I think, it exa- I think capitalism <laughs> exacerbates the issue, but mm-hmm. it's not the root cause. Yes. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. I think we can cross it off the list. Okay. British government, oof. I'm yeah. really mad at them. Yeah. Fear of widespread panic, I guess we can probably cross that off the list at this point. It's like a symptom. Yeah. It's not the cause. Right. It's, well, it is why it didn't get the information didn't get leaked. Like like let's say you lift out the fear of widespread panic. Will would that have solved the issue? I'm not sure it would have. Then it wouldn't have, yeah, it uh, not have spread, gotten I as guess. bad as it did. So I think actually okay. I I, I, I was wrong. I need to continue to keep that on. Okay. I think that we can cross off our eating habits as human. Our, our That's where I was g- actually going to hammer down on. Because <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. This is, is going to be harder than we thought. <laughs> well, I just think that... How much time do we have left? Not much. Not okay. much. Well, I don't cross know. Cross off cannibalism. No, uh, cannibal- I think you're going to yeah, that cannibalism out. is out. Okay. Um, I think that that <laughs> Not is... that we're cool with it. Because just- cows weren't like... The cows weren't just eating themselves. That's, that's, right. That's right. Right. Different... Yeah, you're right. It's different. I think more than that, it's us. Why do we eat beef, right? I'm not preaching a vegan lifestyle here, you know? Although we did have Beyond Burgers last night, and they were delicious. Delicious. Have you Mm -hmm. ever had a Beyond Burger, people? Oh, my gosh. Get out there and eat Beyond. You won't know the difference. (laughs) It's hard when you have factory farming side by side with people's... Eating habits. eating habits. It's really hard for me, at least, to pick people's eating habits over factory farming because in a large ways, factory farming, yeah. the beef industry is responsible for why people eat the way they do. Um, and what they're putting in their food. Yeah. Like what, they're, what they're producing. 
I feel like that's where I'm leaning toward is the the farming. I mean, okay. there's a world in which if we hadn't start if we hadn't intensified production, I mean, just think we intensified production, this happened, and now the British government was like, we got to pull back and we have to do more sustainable farming. Okay, but here's my... That seems like proof. Here's my pitch, yeah. though, for the British government. They were the ones who started the Agriculture Act in 47, right? right? right. Mm-hmm. To push these farmers to make to more, make more. Beef. And then now there's a, a, a situation and they're stopping it. They're stopping the farmers and the vets from giving this information out to people, and it could have saved lives. So can you really blame the farmers for right. creating techniques that was fulfilling, because they disease. were incentivized to do yes. by the government. And it they, started with the government and, and the And they didn't know that, you know, I mean, I guess com- uh, common sense tells you maybe you shouldn't feed a cow's ground-up gra- brain, but uh, they didn't know while they were doing, all they knew was that if you feed them protein, it... it ups you know production no this is making sense to me because that's like if you think about another way it's like you don't blame the workers who are like producing the product that hurts the people you usually go to the management who is making the decisions like the people on top are the ones you hold responsible for right Mm -hmm. yeah it's like okay it makes more sense that if the government is like this is what we need you to do and they're like great this is what we're doing unless they were intentionally doing something very negligent it's right. like oh this was a byproduct that we didn't know about but just to play devil's advocate the government didn't government didn't mandate that they use the offal the brain um and the spine in to feed the cows they no did not they mandate got that just, i mean it was yeah. what was available to them yeah, it's exactly. the cheap form just of, a weird practice of the time okay yeah. so i mean i feel like i'm gonna cross out fear of widespread just because we're now just talking yes. about the government or factory farming yes. i'm gonna yes. just cut fear of widespread panic and alarmism uh-huh. and i'm gonna cut the eating habits of humans yeah okay. i think i'm gonna cut it i i i think my mind is uh made i think that we should blame the british government wow i can get behind that yeah i think so they- and i remind you of the big slap as well which is mm. clayton you haven't heard this possibly we've now added a secondary um punishment called the big Ooh. slap which goes to someone who isn't we aren't sending to jail but we find them to be awful uh, so they just like it's like a slap on the wrist kind of. Mm-hmm. It's on the face. On the face, good. <laughs> it's a big slap on the face. Good. A slap. I was gonna say for the big slap, perhaps cannibalism could get a big slap. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the farming industry should get a big slap. Oh, Ooh, factory yeah. farming getting factory a big farming. slap. That feels right. That does yeah. feel right. Blame the, the government, but fuck you guys. Factory farming, you're getting the big slap. Now. I must say, I'm pretty sure the British government is already in jail yes. <laughs> for the smog. Oh, they, <laughs> for the great smog. Oh, right. So, I mean, this is this happens before. Sometimes people in jail get more time. That's right. They're yeah. getting a, a, a double, double life, life sentence. sentence. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I think it's settled. We are sending the British government to the alarmist jail. We have to build a better jail. That's right. Stronger <laughs> jails. <laughs> Amanda, is that in the budget? <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> well, thank you, Clayton, for helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the mad cow disease outbreak. Always a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> After the mad cow disease outbreak, new farming practices have helped get the disease under control. According to the Center for Food Safety, on December 20th, 2012, the USDA established 
a rule requiring most livestock traveling across state lines to be tagged for traceability of mad cow disease. Cattle under 18 months are exempt as our chicks moved across state lines directly from a hatchery. According to BBC, in January of 2019, Japan finally ended its ban on British beef and lamb that has been in place since the mad cow disease epidemic. So you're probably asking yourself, what is the current risk of acquiring VCJD from eating beef and beef products produced from cattle in Europe? Currently, the risk appears to be very small, perhaps fewer than one case per 10 billion servings, if the risk exists at all. Travelers to Europe who are concerned about reducing any risk of exposure can avoid beef and beef products altogether, or can select beef or beef products such as solid pieces of muscle meat as opposed to ground beef and sausages. Solid pieces of beef are less likely to be contaminated with tissues that may hide the mad cow agent. Milk and milk products are not believed to transmit the mad cow agent. you think is to blame by going to the alarmistpodcast.com follow us at the alarmist the on twitter at the alarmist podcast on instagram or email us at the alarmist podcast at gmail.com tune in next week we'll be talking about the bombings of hiroshima and nagasaki Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.